the podcast allows a lot of people to normalize what's happening to them. That's kind of how I see it. It, it normalizes the struggle and so that you can get to the joy. You're listening to the Happy Doc Student Podcast, a podcast dedicated to providing clarity to the often mysterious doctoral process. Do you feel like you're losing your mind? Let me and my guests show you how to put more joy in your journey and graduate with your sanity, health, and relationships intact. I'm your host, Dr. Heather Frederick, and this is Episode 5. My guests for this show are the masterminds behind Doc 101, a podcast for doctoral students where they pay particular attention to the soft skills you need to complete a doctoral degree some of which rarely get talked about in public. To set the stage, let me tell you just a little bit about each of these three guests. Linnea Rademacher holds a PhD in Curriculum and Instruction from the University of Illinois at Urbana-Champaign. She has been teaching and leading doctoral students since 2006. Linnea believes that doctoral learning and research are important to the world so that more people in influential positions know how to lead, understand, utilize, and create meaningful, rigorous research that can fully inform collaborative organizational decisions. Scott Self received his PhD in higher education research from Texas Tech University. He is the assistant provost for academic initiatives and innovations at Abilene Christian University. Scott has a passion for finding ways to improve access to college for people who are often marginalized by higher education including underrepresented minority students, students with disabilities, and non-traditional students. Peter Williams completed his Ph.D. at Texas A&M in Educational Human Resource Development, and he was teaching faculty how to teach online before the turn of the century. Currently, he's Associate Professor and Interim Department Head of Educational Leadership at Texas A&M Commerce. He's been teaching and advising doctoral students since 2009 and loves working with adults to figure out how to make sense of their complex worlds. Well, thank you all so much for being with me here today. And I'd love to start by asking someone to tell the story of how Doc 101 was born. Well, um, what happened is, I was trying to share information with my students in one of my courses. I was in a dissertation course where they gathered together for a seminar and we go over their prospectus together. And as they were developing that, I was trying to find a way to answer a lot of the same questions over and again. And I also wanted to try and kind of connect with students in ways where they could, they could connect without being in front of their computer. I'm really sensitive to the amount of time, especially online doc students spend in front of their computer. And so I thought, well, you know, I have I do some podcasting. I'll put together just a, a series of uh, audio files and push those out to the students so that they can listen while they're doing dishes or something like that. And I'd done about 10 or 11 of those when I realized, wow, there's a lot of content here a lot of different places one could go, especially if one had friends uh, to do that with them. So then I, I asked Linnea and Peter if they would join me to actually do a podcast where uh, the audience was bigger than my one section of my one course. Part of your, your description is that you're talking about things that aren't often talked about, things that are outside the textbooks, 
that the doc students are getting, yeah? We try to go beyond the methodology, which typically students will get, or even the particular university processes and procedures that will be printed somewhere, sometimes are hard to find, but to the, you know, what is the, for example, the emotional journey of uh, a student in a doctoral program? What are the relational aspects? Those sorts of things that are sometimes mentioned, but not really, not, no space is carved out in doc programs that we know of to talk about those things in more in-depth in manners. Well, and we, we all three went to R1 residential programs, and there's a lot that you learn just sitting in the coffee room um, in between class. We have taught together in the online format, and, and I, I do worry that students miss out on even the subtext that we were sometimes picking up on in the residential setting. If it wasn't yeah. text, there was subtext. And I, I think that uh, based upon some research that I'd done with some colleagues, you know, we looked into the success of online doc students. And at the time that we did this research, uh, there wasn't a lot. There was a lot about the success of doctoral students in general. And everything seemed to point to not just the expertise of their chair, but the, the willingness of their chair to help engage that trust and relationship and so how do you, you teach that you don't teach that in a class having a relationship with your chair you don't teach um, all of the social emotional skills that enable you to persist and so um, I thought this was a great idea because we could talk about our experiences as chairs and what we felt like were the skills that students needed to develop besides their content material. They need to develop that relationship with their chair. They need to uh, know that they need to come to their chair with these questions and they need to, um, they need to look at feedback as, as positive. And they, they, there's a bunch of things that they aren't part of any curriculum. They're that hidden curriculum part. And so uh, this, this seemed to be really important to me in my research. And I was really glad that Scott and Peter asked me to join them. I love this idea of this hidden agenda because we all did go to a land-based program where, like you said, Scott, we could see other students going through the process. We maybe knew what was ahead. We were a shoulder to cry on <laughs> for each other, right? But even in that land-based program, no one sat us down and said, hey, these are some things you need to know or let me help you develop these skills. And what are some of your favorite ones or your go-to ones that you really like to talk about with your students? For me, it kind of centers upon this idea of uh, normalizing struggle and at the same time, kind of speaking to the mythology of the doc program, you know, there's the old fable of our parents or our grandparents who had to walk uphill both ways in the snow without shoes to go to their one-room schoolhouse and how terrible that was. We do the same thing in doc programs, and there are plenty of nightmare stories to borrow from in order to make those, to make those points. There's a lot of abuse that happens uh, 
in doc programs to students, the abuse that happens to faculty by admin, there's abuse that we put on one another. There's enough to draw from. Um, but sometimes that turns into a narrative uh, that gets replicated over and over and over again, which I think results in kind of a mindset. Mm. Being able to normalize that struggle and also to enjoy uh, the experience for what it is rather than um, believing that it's your job to walk around with a, with a black cloud over your head, you know, um, if, if we can figure out ways to have that experience in healthy and joyful ways, I think for me, that would be a big, big advantage because there's so much, there's so much to do and so much to explore. And, and there's so many opportunities that come. If we can just get the mythology out of the way and say, yeah, it's hard. It stinks. And sometimes you're up too late. And sometimes somebody doesn't like something that you wrote for stupid reasons, but but there's this other thing, and this other thing is more important. I just was going to concur and say I think that, um, you know, the for me, that joy of expanding your understanding about something, I never knew that before, and I never knew that before. It's both frustrating and, and struggle, mm, crazy, crazy struggle, but it is also joyful. And some students get stuck in the cr frustrating, crazy. And, and we have, I mean, we're, I teach in a leadership program. So we've got people who are already type A's, right? They're, they're already leaders in their field. They're already used to knowing what to do. And they come into this doc program. And, and Peter and I used to talk about this, this cognitive dissonance of how can I not know? I know they don't say I know everything, but there is an implied because I'm a leader, I know everything. And of course, nobody does, right? But that cognitive distance and that struggle and tension to get to the point where, oh, that's really interesting and I can change and I can change my beliefs. Um, I like to help students get to that point and it's hard sometimes. Yeah, I was just going to say that the joy in mastering something that's really hard to master is a deep and persistent joy, I think, because it's not a cheap thing. Um, you buy it with a lot of time. You buy it with a lot of effort and blood, sweat, and tears, you might say. And it's, it's hard to do. And it's not fun every step. But there is joy along the way. Um, as you know, you're doing well. And what, what I like to focus on and some of my favorite aspects of our podcast that we've done is, you know, when we talk about social support and the relational aspects of it and how in a doc program, you're suddenly thrust into being self, almost completely self-directed. And if you don't have a social support system around you that can attend to various of your needs and often you have to go out and build your social support network because in the doc program, there aren't that many people around most students who know what it is. So instrumental support is hard to find. Emotional support you can get from a variety of places. Um, informational support and evaluative support, all these different types of support that come through us socially, particularly in online doc programs, you have to um, exercise your agency and set up your social support. And I like talking about those kinds of things because there's joy in saying, ooh, this is a challenge. 
I can reach out to somebody and have a conversation. I can act. I don't, I'm not just acted upon. And I think there's joy in realizing that I can take that step and be the agent here of my own future, which you have done to a certain extent anyway, but it's difficult at this stage. And if you can realize that and realize I can build my social network, I can not only be support to others, but receive support and seek support and act with agency to achieve some degree of mastery of level. These, these are deep human needs. And as you work to fulfill them, it does bring joy along the way. But there's something consistent in all three of our responses that I think is really important. And I think why the modality of a podcast works for us, which is, Lania and Peter and I have been using this word discussion or or talking, talking things out and the social. And there is a part, my, my, my first episode when I was doing this uh, just for my students was in talking with your chair. That was the subject. And then the first one we released on this podcast was about the same discussion about how to interact with your chair. Well, some of that for me comes from having I'd had several chairs and listeners to our podcast will hear my nightmare story and, um, and how I violated the rule I mentioned a few minutes ago. But my last chair told me exactly what she expected from me. And that conversation was so different from the, many of the conversations I've had with other faculty who, who thought it was their job to be mysterious and let me try and figure out what they needed. And having that conversation out loud was really valuable. You guys all brought up so many great points. And this idea of a growth mindset, right, that you're coming into a doctoral program, you're going to actually find some enjoyment in realizing there's probably more that you don't know than you do know. And I, I ha one of my mentors said, is often says, you don't do a doctorate, you become a doctor. And I think there's this shift between, you know, maybe you, you do your bachelor's degree, you do your master's degree, and not that those can't be very transformational experiences, but there's something a little different about a doctorate and this idea of social support and being able to normalize what you're going through and maybe hearing some of these stories like your nightmare story, Scott, you know, on a podcast could be a form of support for these students that feel so isolated and alone. Yeah, I think uh, podcasting, uh, you know, I really didn't know anything about it before they invited me to do this, but I do have adult children and um, they're in their 20s and 30s and they love podcasts. You know, in my 20s and 30s, I listened to music. They listen to podcasts and I'm not kidding. I mean, you're all laughing while I say this, but this is what they do. They they listen to the liturgists and they listen to, you know, whatever subject they're talking about, whether it's political or religious or, or uh, topical. They listen to these podcasts because I think we're all very isolated in what we do these days. Um, and it connects them to other people who are interested in the same things. So in the same way that we sought out those social supports in our land-based programs and I we had graduate student gatherings and we would gather in the commons area before class and we would talk at the break and we would smash the instructor no not really but you know we would talk about complain about things that we weren't learning and and we would 
learn from each other in that kind of water cooler way. The podcast allows a lot of people to normalize what's happening to them. That's kind of how I see it. It, it normalizes the struggle and so that you can get to the joy. Well, also, sometimes the reasons aren't the reasons. I become convinced that we are not rational beings, but we are rationalizing beings. We don't really know why we do what we do. Uh, we don't make decisions rationally. We rationalize the decisions that we've made. And the reason I say that is oftentimes when we go back and tell what happened, um, it's oftentimes we externalize all the things that we had responsibility for and we internalize all the things we didn't have responsibility for. We are really, really bad at analyzing our own narrative and really understanding what happened. Why did that, why did that chair drop me? Was it really because um, that, that chair is abusive or was it because I wasn't turning in my work? or vice versa, that I take responsibility for things that I had no, no I have no responsibility taking responsibility for. So um, we're, we're not good when we look back at our own stories of really understanding what drove the decisions that we made, what drove the actions that happened around us. And as a result, we sometimes are not good at understanding the phenomenon through which we came as, as human beings. And so then when I tell my story and somebody else picks it up and they're like, oh my goodness, that's going to happen to me. Well, maybe it's not because maybe I don't know what actually happened. Yeah. And the podcast allows people to kind of listen in on conversations. And that's part of what happens in a land-based system where you have uh, before class, between class, after class, incidental interactions you listen in to a lot of conversations and learnable learn a lot vicariously and where's the vicarious learning in um, a lot of our distributed environments we don't often make spaces informal spaces for that to happen and a podcast is one way it can um, you can just kind of listen in on others experiences and we try to talk about our various experiences both in our own doc doctoral journeys and um, in the journeys of many of our students who, who are, have moved through m many successfully and are currently in the process uh, because there are a lot of common experiences. It's not easy really for anyone. And I've mentioned this a couple times on our podcast is like, if it is transformative, it's going to be really hard because transformation hurts. That's normal. You're choosing to do this. And it's a good kind of hurt. But what I love about your podcast is you do do that, Peter. You tell the stories. It's, it's as if people can listen in on this conversation with a number of colleagues talking about experiences and ways that they broke through things. But also, you guys dig into some pretty deep content. One of my favorite ones that I share with all my students has to do with the literature review, which can be a huge stopping block, right, for, for students. So um, this idea of having these informal conversations, but also delivering this information and maybe just hearing it from a different way that you hear it from your professor in your program. It's nice to have that other voice. Yeah, we like having people on. Also, from time to time, we have guests, and we had um, Larry Maki on for one of our literature ones, and he wrote one of the books that's widely used in a lot of doctoral programs. And it's just a normal conversation with a normal person, and I think that kind of breaks down some of the mythology of doctoral programs and the 
the kind of mysteriousness of it. Because what we tried to do in that one was talk about how applicable or relevant doing a lit review is to informed practice in any way. It's uh, applied critical thinking, which we should all be about in our professional lives anyway. You know, thinking critically about what we do, why we do it, what's the evidence to support this or that way of doing things. We don't specifically talk about just hidden curriculum and relationships. A lot of what we end up doing is trying to demystify the work that one is doing while they're doing their work. Um, so it's kind of trying to pay attention to paying attention. And those those few, we did a couple there in a row where we talked about literature review. And those, I think, were really, really valuable. And the reason I love it is at about that time, someone that I mentor said something like, well, you know, I'm just doing this so I learn how to do a literature review for the dissertation. And that's what they thought the purpose of doing this assignment was, was to get ready for chapter two. Well, it sure would be nice to be ready for chapter two, but oh my goodness, this is not a performance. This is not, you're, you're not just learning to do something for this performative value. This is work and it's deep work and it's critical thinking. And so it was so cool to have a chance to kind of talk underneath the actual work of the literature review and get into that deeper thing. Yeah, I that I think those are some of my most favorite episodes because I love a good lit review. I'm kind of weird that way, but I to me a lit review is very much thinking about well, so what do other people have to say about this? You're getting this collaborative um, expertise on a problem that you found. And you're not the first person to examine any problem anywhere. So what have other people found? And I, I, I think that's such an important skill for any leader uh, anywhere to be able to do. So normalizing the lit review as uh, critical thinking, as helpful in decision making is, is, I think, very important. So people listening are probably wondering, oh my goodness, where do I find these episodes that they're talking about? <laughs> so we are talking about Doc 101 podcast, and I will have the links to these specific episodes in the notes. So how about some final share, maybe any other favorite episode that you have that you would love people to listen to or some final words of wisdom? Um, besides ones we've mentioned so far, one of my favorites was when we visited with uh, Dr. Rose Opengart about career and how a doctorate really links in or interacts with one's career. That was really eye-opening for me, even though I'd had several conversations with her prior as a career coach and with a PhD in human resource development and adult learning. She's, she's well-versed, but she talked in ways that really helped me think more clearly about uh, how doing the doctorate well and not just doing it for its performative value for the thing on the wall back there, but it's, it really does prepare you to be better at, in your career, to, to, to be a deeper critical thinker, to be able to exist in, um, in complex times and make difficult decisions. I think for me, um, we just released one on theory, and I loved it. I, I'll tell you why. It's not because I enjoy talking about 
theory per se, but we got underneath theory and we talked a little bit about what we're doing. And I was, as I was editing the podcast, not so much recording it, but editing it, I was thinking about this moment that happened. I was in a seminar with other PhD students and I realized around the table, I can tell you how the room smell. I can tell you everything about that moment because it was a big, big moment when I realized we're all standing on the edge of the universe here trying to figure out something that has not been figured out. And the the episode that we the first episode we did on theory there's going to be a f- there are a few there but the first one we did on theory kind of reminded me of that the joy of discovering that we're in the we're in the middle of the uncharted territory and we're trying to figure things out i think mine is about writing we've got several episodes on writing and i i know that students struggle with this because um, we ask for specific things in doctoral writing, and I would just say, don't give up. Writing is not something that defines you. Uh, it, it's just a skill that you develop, like riding a bike, and you. And we're all still working on it uh, to this day. And the point of writing is to communicate your great ideas to an audience. And so don't be stuck on a word be stuck on your ideas and whatever words you need to use because language is fluid, find different words if you're not making yourself clear and be okay with that. And that that would be my two cents. Well, thank you guys for sharing your wisdom. I am looking forward to having each of you back individually to dig a little deeper into your interests. Linnea, you also have a podcast, Action Research Global Conversations. Yes. Yes. And in that one, I talk about my passion, which is, of course, action research um, and uh, talk about talk with different people who are doing action research and teaching action research around the globe. Well, thank you all for taking your time to share your wisdom. And again, I look forward to seeing you back here again real soon. That was fun. Thanks, Heather. Thanks, Heather. All right. Well, that's a wrap. Be sure to subscribe to the Doc 101 podcast. Check out the show notes for the specific episodes that we discussed in the show. And I'd like to invite you to visit my website, expandyourhappy.com, where you can download a document I wrote called The Doctoral Journey, 12 Things You Need to Know That They Probably Won't Tell You. And when you download that article, you'll be invited to participate in a seven-day email adventure that will help you kickstart your happy doctoral journey. I'm looking forward to connecting with you there. And until the next episode, I'm sending you more joy for your journey. One more thing, just a quick reminder that the information, opinions, and recommendations presented in this podcast are for general information only.